The book of Mark this morning, Mark chapter number 5, Mark chapter number 5, and this morning we're going to read uh, the first 20 verses in Mark chapter number 5, and from this chapter we'll take our text and look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning. I believe it's a very important message as we attempt to uh, do uh, big things for the Lord. Uh, doubling our church attendance is not a small feat, it's certainly a doable feat. And we know that we need the help of the Lord to do so. And uh, I know that I have one life to live. And I want to use it to its greatest capacity, its greatest ability to serve our Lord, uh, to reach people, to make a difference in the life of others. And I trust that that's your goal and desire as well. Mark chapter number 5, where we find a uh, very uh, interesting story and certainly a story that reminds us of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, beginning in verse number 1. They came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. <clears throat> For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done." They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. This is the story is often referred to as the maniac of Gadara. A man who was possessed of devils that the Lord uh, certainly healed and uh, saved his soul. What a wonderful picture and power that the Lord Jesus Christ displayed. I've had this message prepared for some time, and I want you to give me your attention this morning. And if you uh, love the Lord, I want you to pay close attention to me. If you love the Word of God, I want you to pay close attention to me. If you believe there's a heaven, if you believe there's a hell, I want you to pay close attention to me this morning as I preach on the subject, the need for a different kind of missionary. 
the need for a different kind of missionary. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us. May uh, the Spirit of God be our uh, instructor this morning. May he have liberty to work in hearts. And Father, first of all, I pray again that there's one unsaved. May today be their day of salvation. But Father, may this room might be full of Christians this morning, but there's no doubt in my mind that the souls of men hang in the balance. And Father, I pray that this message would be one that uh, points to uh, our purpose, points to the goals that we've set, reminds us of the opportunity we have as a church, reminds us of the urgency of the hour. And Father, I pray that the Spirit of God will work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we look at the focus of a need of a different kind of missionary. And might I say it might be the most important kind of missionary. Certainly we're a church that believes in missions. We've got a missionary who will be here with us next Sunday. We support many missionaries. I heard from uh, several of them uh, even in the last 24 hours, and I'm thankful for that. But there's something that has taken place in our country that I, I believe if we do not correct it, it is it, we don't have a hope for America. We don't have a hope for our cities. We don't have a hope for our own homes. We find something that I think is lost in this story. We certainly see the condition of this man and how uh, he was possessed of devils. He lived in the tombs. He lived in the graveyard. He was a man that was out of his mind. He was legendary in that area. He said, don't go up there because you might run into the maniac. And they had tried to subdue him, and they had tried to contain him to the point where they would bind him with chains, and the chains could not hold him. This was a man who was uncontrollable. This was a man who could not be contained. But yet, when Jesus felt the need to go over to that side of the sea, into that country, when that man saw Jesus afar off, he ran to Jesus and began to worship him. He knew that there was something different about the Son of God. We know the story. This man was possessed with devils, and, and, the, and the devils acknowledged who the Lord was and, and bid him, just don't, don't cast us into the sea, which I think is kind of ironic. He cast them into the swine who ran into the sea. Uh, he cast them into the swine and and those of you that were with Israel, we went to this very spot to where uh, the, the, I believe the swine went off into the sea. This man is now sitting at the feet of the Lord, clothed and in his right mind. Well, before you got saved, we weren't in our right mind. Clothed and in his right mind. You know the story well. There were some who were not happy because the swine, the pigs that they were watching are now in the sea. And they were frightened when the others came back and they saw this man in his right mind and they, they, they prayed unto Jesus. They, they compelled him to leave. Boy, he leaves, but he leaves behind a changed man. He leaves behind a man that was vexed and a man that was without hope and a man that uh, that had no future, and a man who, who, who tormented not just himself but others. And anytime there's an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a very clear conversion. We find something interesting at the end of this story, and this account is also in 
the book of Luke, chapter number 8. And I'll refer to a couple of verses over there in just a moment. You don't have to turn there, but you can make a note of Luke, chapter number 8. This man obviously wanted to go with Jesus. He had been living amongst the tombs. He, he had been tormenting himself. He had no hope, possessed of a devil and devils, and now he's free. Now he's transformed. Now he's got hope. Now he's got a future. Now he's got peace in his life that he has not had. And Jesus is getting in a ship to leave. And in verse number 18, we see, And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Uh, Lord, I want to go with you. I'm not living in the tombs anymore. I want to go with you. I wonder if this man saw the disciples with the Lord. And he said, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. I want to be a disciple like these men. I want to go. Maybe he was just so naive to think that's what you do. When Jesus saves you, you just follow him. When he saves you, you just give your life to him. He says, you're getting in the boat. I'm going with you. Something very interesting happens. We find in verse 19 and 20, and we find also the account in Luke chapter number 8, the Lord does not allow him to come with him. But the Lord had the need for a different kind of missionary. The Lord had a purpose for this man that went beyond just saving his soul. Now, Thank the Lord that Jesus came if we got nothing else out of it but a saved soul, but a, but a, but a forgiven life. But he has a purpose for each and every one of us, and thus it was true of the maniac of Gadara. I find I'm going to jump right into the message this morning because this is going to be a little bit different Sunday morning message. And so I understand that, uh, that, that uh, we have ways, things that we normally do on a Sunday morning. And perhaps you're visiting this morning. You're going to get an idea of, of, of the emphasis of our church very, very quickly. But I want to, want to notice, first of all, the command that the Lord gives. He says in, 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 in the book of Luke, in this account, in chapter 8 and verse 39, he says, Return to thine own house. And show how great things God hath done unto thee. In verse number 19 of this chapter, he says, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Now, it was the will of, 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 of Peter. It was God's will for John. It was God's will for, for those other disciples to go with him. And they would go throughout the world. But Jesus said, I don't want you to come with me. He says, but I do have some place I want you to go. And he commands him first, go to thine own house. And friend, if there's ever been a need in our world for God's people, how many of you have been saved? How many of you have been converted? Let me tell you, you may not have lived in the tombs, but you were just as vexed as the devil-possessed man. You may not have been able to uh, be, be bound by chains, but friend, you were bound by the chains of sin. And without the Lord Jesus Christ, you would still have no hope. Jesus says, go to that own house. Well, there's a need today if you can look at who lives under your roof and you can say that everyone, to the best of my knowledge, is saved and on their way to heaven, you ought, you ought to give praise to the Almighty God that He saved everybody under your roof. 
But friend, this morning, if you leave church today and you go home and there's somebody there that you're uncertain of their eternity, they don't know that they're saved, let me tell you, that's your first mission field. That is your responsibility. What the Lord was saying is, I saved you. Now I'm going to send you to go home to your family so that you can tell your family what happened to you so that you can win your family to Christ. Friend, what I, I'm concerned when we'll put money in the plate for a missionary to go to another continent and we won't take the gospel to the people with the same last name as us. That is our first responsibility is to get the gospel to those uh, who, who are in our family. He says, go to thine own house. That wasn't just those who were living under his roof. He hadn't been home in a while. But this man had relatives. And they had hung their heads like, oh, I know everybody's got a crazy uncle. But your uncle lives in the tombs. Everybody's got a, got a crazy family member, but that's your uncle. And Jesus said, you need to go home and tell them what God has done for you. Because if there's anybody that will believe it, it is your family because they've seen the change. Now, friend, that tells you and I that when the Lord saves us, there should be a change. There, there, there should be a conversion. There should be a difference. It should be obvious to those that see us and encounter us. There's something different in that individual, and we need missionaries today who will go home to thine own house. If you've been born again, it is your mission. It's not the pastor's mission. Hear me clearly this morning. It is not my mission. It is your mission to take the gospel to your family. Now, I'll help any way that I can. I'll pray for souls to be saved. And if I have an opportunity to give them the gospel, you get them to church and they'll hear a gospel presentation from behind this pulpit. But ultimately, it's you that should be fasting and praying for them. It's you that should be pleading with them. It is you that determines and prays for it every day. Lord, save my family. Lord, let me do something that, that will bring the gospel to them. Lord, if you would hear my prayers, it is your responsibility. Could you imagine if every child of God got a burden and got a hold of what I'm preaching this morning and said, I'll get up early in the morning and pray for my uncle to be saved. I'll get up early in the morning and pray for my husband and my wife to get saved. I'll get up early in the morning and pray for my children and my grandchildren and, and those distant relatives. And they ought to know if they invite you to a family reunion, what's going to happen when you get there? You're telling everybody about what Jesus did for you. The command is to go to thine own house. This isn't as appealing as a call to go to another continent. But it is what is needed in this day we live in, just as it was there. He says, go to thy friends. Go home to thy friends in verse number 19. This is kind of an obvious command, but I got to thinking to myself, this man's been living in the tombs. Who was his friends? Who's he hanging out with? Who are his buddies? I believe what the Lord is saying is, go tell your neighbors. Go tell your co-workers. Go tell those old friends you used to hang out with. He said, don't avoid them because there's something different about you. Go tell them what happened to you. 
And friend, let me just be as clear as I am as I possibly can be. If it, that if you're the only if you're the Christian at your company, you're the missionary there. In your neighborhood, you're the missionary there. Amongst the people that you know, you're the missionary. This ought to be a sobering question to each and every one of us. When's the last time you've witnessed to a neighbor? When's the last time you've witnessed to a coworker? I'm not advocating you go in your cubicle tomorrow and, and set up a pulpit there. If they'll let you, do it. But I'm not advocating that. But there was such a clear change in this man's life, I don't think he had to go very far before somebody said, you've got to tell me what happened to you. And I believe with my whole heart, if we would surrender everything to the one who saved us, if we, would, if we would say, I want to serve him with everything that's in me, and the Lord has sent me to go and publish what he has done for me, if we walked in and we were changed and we were different and we lived a consistent Christian life, I believe it wouldn't take very long for somebody to say, what happened to you? Or the first time you get invited to that Friday night party that you used to attend. You say, I'm not going to be able to make it. What happened to you? Let me tell you. What happened to me? Go to thy friends. It should not be this way. It should not be that we'll go and knock on a random door with a complete stranger, but yet we won't take the gospel to the people we know. It should not be that we'll pay for somebody to go across an ocean to give the gospel and we won't get the gospel to the people we know. We see what happens next and this is where I really want you to ha- I want to have your attention. I don't think it'll be hard for me to get it. He goes into the city. We see that in Mark 5 verse number 20 but then then in verse 39 of Luke chapter number 8 and he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. He was told to go to his own house. He was told to go to his friends. He was told to go to his city. He began to publish in Decapolis. This, this were a, 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 a string of ten Roman cities. He published throughout the whole city. He went to his family. He went to his friends. He went to the city. He went to the whole city. He went to the high places in the city. He went to the low places in the city. He went to the market in the city. He went to the back alley in the city. Just as this man was sent to his city, you and I must go to our city. Now, we can have an appeal to missions, and we're reminded of what the Lord, how the Lord commissioned his disciples in the book of Acts chapter number 1 as he ascended to heaven. He commanded the church to go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost. We have failed in our nation, not at the othermost. The average church has a bunch of pictures on the back wall of the 200 missionaries that they support while they let their city die and go to hell. I don't want that to be the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Our first responsibility is not the uttermost. The first responsibility is Jerusalem. Our first responsibility is not Samaria, although we have a burden for the uttermost. We have a burden for Samaria. But our first responsibility is 
Jerusalem. Let's take a look at our city. The population of Jacksonville is right at a million in population. The population of the greater Jacksonville area is now up to 1.7 million people. If you haven't paid attention, they're, putting, they're, they're, they're widening roads, adding roads, throwing up neighborhoods. That's going to grow. As of the last census, there were 366,780 individual households. 23% of the population is under 18 years of age. That breaks down to about 400,000 people in the greater Jacksonville area that are not yet 18 years of age. By the way, you can change the future of a nation by reaching the children. You can change the, the future of a city by reaching the children. You can change the future of a home by reaching the children in the home. 23% of the population is under 18. 6.7% of the population is under 5 years of age. That's more than 113,000 people in the great near Jacksonville area, children under 5 years of age. 14.9% of the, of the residents in the greater Jacksonville area are living in poverty. Almost a quarter of a million people live in the greater Jacksonville area who live below the poverty level. 43.5% of homes in the greater Jacksonville area are headed by a single parent. That's a single dad, that's a single mom. There's approximately 100,000 veterans with 50,000 active duty military in the greater Jacksonville area. There's more than 100,000 Hispanics, more than 100,000 Asians. There's now estimated 15,000 Jews. Jacksonville has been named an emerging city of destination for Orthodox Jews. There's 5,000 deaf who call the Jacksonville area home. There's 100,000 plus college students within an hour drive of where I stand right now. The Ukrainian population is growing, and because of the influx in the last year, there's, there's definitely several thousand. It's unknown how many Ukrainians are now in our city. There's Iraqis, Afghans, Greeks, Haitians. There are countries in Central America and South America and Africa represented in our city. So, Pastor, what's the point that you're making? The point I'm making is you don't have to leave the city to reach the world. And while we get moved to reach the world, you've got poor little kids in your neighborhood too. Now, notice very quickly, and I'll circle back around to this. We see the ministry this man had. He, he published, we see this in verse number 20, he departed, and he did more than just let his light shine. Now, I'm for letting your light shine. If you're saved, people ought to be able to see it in you. There should be a joy. There should be, there should be a light. Christ should be evident in your heart and life. I believe that. Sometimes people don't even know what it is, but they know it's different. But he did more than just let his light shine. He published it. 
He made it known. He broadcast it. It was what he talked about. Hey, you want to go get some coffee? What are we talking about, Jesus? Standing around the, the water cooler, what are we talking about, Jesus? Hey, let me, let me tell you about Jesus. He published it. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. What did he publish? He published the change that was made in his life. What this world needs to know, our city needs to know, our neighbors need to know that Jesus will change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your home. It'll obviously change your future. It'll change how how happy and how much joy you have in your life. He will change you. That which held you bound, you can be free from, and who's going to do it? Can religion do it? Absolutely not. Can, Can government programs do it? Absolutely not. Only Jesus can make that change. But he... Notice, this is so important. If you have your Bible open, still to Mark chapter 5. Look at verse number 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them. Now, again, I've already established this, but he said, tell them. Tell them. How great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. See, I happen to believe that Jesus got on that ship, went across the Sea of Galilee to this area for one man. I believe he went there for one man. I believe he went there for this man. He was aware, being God, he knew that, that what this man was bound by. And he said, fellas, let's get on this boat. Let's go across the sea. There's a man that I'm going to see. And he didn't have to look far because the man came running to him. And he said, go tell them of the change and the compassion. Friend, we live in a world that is cruel, that is mean, that is angry, and that is hateful. But there is one who loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. And Jesus willingly went to the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins, to pay for my sins, to pay for the sins of every single individual on this world, to pay for the sins of all 1.7 million people who live in a greater Jacksonville area. And while they are oppressed by their circumstances and they are discouraged by the state of the world and they're struggling to make ends meet, they need to know that there's one who has compassion on them. There's one who loves them. Them unconditionally. There's one who will meet their needs, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. How are they going to know if this man would not go tell them? I must also point out what I believe is the Lord's strategy in reaching this man. The Bible tells us in verse number 20 of Mark 5, he departed began to publish in Decapolis. That's, that's 10 different cities. As we were in a couple of these sites when we were in Israel, there was, and, and you could hear the God say, there's no record of Jesus coming here. Which he may or may not. That doesn't mean he didn't go there. But the scripture does not say that he went there, and there's no historical account of him ever going there. So it is probably likely that he did not go there. But let me tell you who he sent on his behalf. He sent 
the man known as the maniac, on his behalf. You see, he went across on that sea looking for one man. He had compassion on him. See, everybody else could do nothing with him. He was a nuisance to them. He was a bother to them. He He was a scourge to them. But Jesus still loves those who society casts on the outside, who society can do nothing with, who man has lost all compassion for. Jesus went for him and changed him forever. Jesus cast those devils out and those swine, those swine ran off the cliff and drowned. And those men that were watching those swine said, we've got a problem. They ran into town. Their heads are are spinning. Here's this crazy man who's worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Here's these devils just going into these pigs, and now they've run off the side of the mountain. we got to go tell somebody about this. Then people in the city came out, and they saw this man sitting at the feet of Jesus, and they got scared. And then they, they, they were, where's our, where's our pigs? And they said, Jesus, we want you to go. And by the way, Jesus always leaves where he's not wanted. He gets on that ship and the man says, well, I guess I've worn my welcome out here too. He goes to get on that boat and Jesus says, no. I'm sending you. To Decapolis. I'm sending you to your neighbors, your friends, your family. He didn't go to one city, he went to all of them. If you study history and you study those Roman cities and you study the way it was in the time of the Lord, those Roman cities became hubs of travel. And the Roman Empire opened up travel throughout the known world. And in these cities, there there would have been Jews, there would have been Gentiles, there would have been Romans, there would have been Egyptians, there would have been Macedonians, there would have been Ethiopians, there would have been Grecians, there would have been men from all over the known world at that time. And you'll never convince me that as they passed through those cities... There wasn't some who heard the story of a man who used to live in the tombs. And he was changed by a man named Jesus. You'll never convince me that there weren't some who were just passing through. And just on a coincidence, they heard the story of this man Jesus. And they trusted in the same Jesus that this man trusted on. And then they just kept passing on by to their going back home. And what went with them was the gospel. And I believe that God used this man to take the gospel to those cities. As many nations pass through, and we've already mentioned it and alluded to it, we don't have to go to the world. The world is in our city. Now let me finish with this. The command is the call. Now you won't hear this in a lot of places, but I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. Every person in this room that's saved, if you're saved on your way to heaven, let me see your hand. 
You don't have to wait on a call. You're commanded. You're commanded to go home to thine own house. You're commanded to go to your neighbors. You're commanded to go to your friends. You're commanded to go to your co-workers. Pastor, I don't don't have a call to go to Africa. I don't either, but I have a command to go to my city. See, the command is the call. I believe there's two real reasons why our country is on its way to hell this morning. It's because we are moved by the needs in other nations and not by the needs in our own. We are more concerned whether or not that child's going to grow up to be a Democrat or Republican than we are whether or not that child's going to ever hear the gospel. We're more concerned, we're moved by, by, by pictures of poor kids in, a, in another nation, and, and we've got them living in poverty by the hundreds of thousands in our own nation. We will pay our missionaries to go to other nations, which I'm for. But we have no concern about reaching into our own neighborhoods. And I believe another reason is we get enamored by a title and position and not reaching our city with the gospel. Well, if God calls me to work somewhere, then I'll do it. If you're not busy reaching your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, God's not calling you anywhere. The call for this man was different than the disciples, but it was no less important. I remind us all of what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. It starts with Jerusalem. Jacksonville is our Jerusalem. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20 is what's known as the Great Commission. We are commanded, we're commissioned to win them, baptize them, and teach them. That is a command to every child of God. Well, I'll conclude with this, and I'm just sharing what the Lord's put on my heart this morning. And I believe it's important for us to get a hold of this because we have set a goal to double our attendance. Now, don't let that go in one ear and out the other. See, Pastor, how are we going to do that? We're going home to our we're going to our homes. We're going to our friends. I can't wait to see what Pastor does to double our tennis. No, no, no. What we're doing. See, I want you to listen very, very carefully to me as I as I Mention all of the statistics about our city, and there's many more that I could have mentioned, but I want you to let this sink in. There are 84 countries with a smaller population than Jacksonville, Florida. Some we have missionaries in. There are 84 countries with a smaller population than Jacksonville, Florida, and they all need missionaries. Why in the world will we pray for God to send a missionary to this country? This, this, it would put whatever name on it you want when we don't put the same effort and prayer into our own city. 
If the average, maybe not you, maybe not me, if the average churchgoer is shown a picture of poor African kids, they get off their wallet. But we have a melting pot in our own city. So I'm going to go on a missions trip. Meet me down here on Saturday and we'll go on one. What are we going to do to reach these nations? Let's start in our own city. It is time that you and I see there is no greater person for Christ's descend. One, because of what Christ did in his life. But nobody is going to have a heart for those people like him. Those were his family, his friends. His fellow citizens. I conclude with this. Who is going to reach the Hispanics in Jacksonville, Florida? I know we're praying for them in Mexico and and, and, in Nicaragua and all these. But who's going to reach the ones in Jacksonville, Florida? Who's going to reach the deaf in Jacksonville, Florida? Who's going to reach the Ukrainians, the Jews, Who's going to reach into the single parent homes and their single moms and single dads who are drowning, trying to reach their, 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 rear their own children, and the only people who ever reach out to them is a government institution when it ought to be God's people bringing the gospel to a home. God's church say, hey, come, come see what the Lord has for you. And who's going to reach the quarter of a million children? who in the Bible Belt, many of them will never hear the name of Jesus unless his name's taken in vain. Who's going to reach the neighborhoods? Who's going to reach your neighborhood? See, the Philippines are not going to send a missionary to your neighborhood. Christians in Mexico are not sending a missionary to your place of employment. Africa isn't sending a missionary to your house because they should already have a missionary there. We need to be reminded and refocused on what God has placed for us to do. I'm for foreign missions. We'll have a missionary here next year. or Yeah, next year too, but next week. But my main concern are the tens of thousands of people I'll drive by when I leave the church to my house. You ever thought about who lives behind That door, two da- two, that, that, ha- that door that's two houses down from you? Oh, I know. They're, they're a jerk. Maybe they need a Lord. Maybe they need Christ. How are we going to reach the world? Reach Jacksonville. So, Pastor, 1.7 million people. I don't, I don't know how you're going you're gonna to reach. My job is not to reach. My job is to publish. 
to publish. I want there to be one place in this great city, in the surrounding communities, where that book is open, and, and, and the compassion of Christ is preached. I want it published. I want the, the missionaries to leave from the Emmanuel Baptist Church this week and go to their place of business and say, what would you do this weekend? Man, we had a great day in the house of the Lord. We had a great day in church, and somebody got saved, and somebody else joined the church, and boy, the Lord is doing great things. Boy, let me tell you what. You ought to, matter of fact, you ought to come with me this next Sunday Oh, we need the missionaries to leave out of here and say, you know, Lord, would you allow somebody to cross my path that I can give a gospel track to, somebody I can invite to church, somebody I can open my Bible and share the gospel with. It is up to us. There's a lot of American churches that are not going to give an account for the number of missionaries they supported to go to another country, they're going to give an account because they let their neighbors die and go to hell without a gospel witness. They let their co-workers never have a gospel witness. They never let the people who live in the shadow of their church ever hear, Jesus loves you. That's my heart this morning. I'm not called to another continent. Let me tell you where I am called. I'm called to Jacksonville, Florida. And I believe in my whole heart I can touch every continent from right here. We read of great missionaries of the day and of the past. We might be surprised when we get to heaven. A whole lot of people there. Who told you about Jesus? Well, I don't know if you'll know his name, but he was known as the maniac. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, let me tell you the greatest comfort that you can give your husband, the greatest comfort you can give your wife, the greatest comfort you can give your children is the fact that when this life ends, that you're, on, you're, you're in heaven, you've been saved, you've been born again, I plead with you, heaven is real, hell is real. The only way to escape the fires of hell is to realize that you're a sinner, realize Jesus is the only, the only way to heaven, and you cannot save yourself, and because of your sin, you deserve that eternal damnation, but you understand the love of God, the compassion of God. You say, why would God save a sinner like me? We all could save that. The only thing that we can answer that with is because of the love of God, the compassion of God, the, the concern of God. And friend, you need to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He'll change you the same way He changed that maniac. And if you're saved today, you're changed. You and I have the same command. Who's going to go to their home? And plead for them to trust Christ. You can't make them. You can't twist their arm. But oh, if Christians would shed tears again over lost souls, it would make a difference. Who's going to put the names of co-workers down and, and old buddies they used to run around with and 
take those names to the Lord every day and shed some tears over them because if they don't receive Christ, they will spend an eternity in hell. Who's going to give the witness at the first opportunity they have? Why, why do we need to wait for the next missionary to come through and to, to put some pictures up on the wall of, 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 of people with no hope and people without a future and, and kids living in poverty when we can drive in the neighborhoods in our own city and see it? The problem is we don't take the time to go back to our city and publish what Christ has done for us. So who's going to do it? It's up to us to fulfill the command that God has given us. Father, I pray that you would use your word today, use the message.